Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Out of the pan, onto the mound. It's the second hour of Sports Talk. I'm Scott Beatty. And, oh, sure, you come back from vacation. All of a sudden, we got all kinds of news to talk about <laughs> here on a very uh, rich day of local and national items catching our attention. It is the first day of Big Ten Football Media Days. Illinois has made a New head coaching announcement for its track and field program. Last hour, we talked with Petros Kiprianu. Grateful for his time. Illinois football will have uh, an interim, at least, uh, special teams coordinator. While Ben Miller continues his battle with cancer. And um, you just heard it in the Fox Sports update. Brett McMurphy from Action Network says that In addition to Notre Dame, there are other schools, a handful of them, that would add value to the Big Ten, according to Kevin Warren. And Brett's sources say other schools being considered, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal, those make sense based on what's happened, Miami and Florida State. That does not make sense to me. Not because of what they might or might not bring in value, but because they're in the ACC, and I thought, I thought that was an that was done. That's the ACC and the grant of rights and the the whole thing. They're locked down. They can't be anything else. I don't know which way is it. We have tight ends wearing number seventeen also. So I don't get this world anymore. <laughs> let the let the spe- speculation machine fire right back up again. Um, that's that's all that sounds like. Uh, Kevin Warren for uh, as. I, I don't know how else to put it for as bad as he's been with the media since he's taken over as Big Ten commissioner today. He he did a, a really good job in, in optimism. I, I, I think optimism is the word that I came out of his Q&A slash monologue in, in that he, he's really coming into his own. I, I think he's kind of felt out and realized the the magnitude of college sports at this point in time and how it's not like it used to be and you can't just slide in and he's getting more comfortable and now he wants to have the Big Ten be at the forefront of this new innovation and this change in college sports and him getting on board with that will help the rest of the presidents and I think move this whole thing along. Yep, I lacked some of the specificity that I think we all wanted but maybe his hands are tied there. 
So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that. I think it's when we were talking about that around the office today. And yeah, I think from a media standpoint, we would enjoy that. I think Kevin Warren, from his position, understands that this is media days for the 14 teams that are in the Big Ten and are about to play this year. So we don't want to step on that with speculation like this, although Brett McMurphy doesn't care about those sorts of things. So I, I get why he didn't get into specifics as far as you know, what he means by all, all the things that he said today, but it, it definitely makes you feel optimistic that the Big Ten's going to keep up with the Joneses as the times keep a changing. Yep, and the, the big news item that I took away was that USC and UCLA will be full revenue share partners when they join um, and the media deal to be announced, <laughs> but uh, rest assured it'll be for a lot more money than the previous contract was for contracts were for which was already for a lot of money so we're going to continue uh to to talk about all that of course we'll be in indianapolis tomorrow it's illinois day tomorrow and we'll visit with brett bielma some of the football players uh, other folks as well um brian barnhart there live tomorrow morning for a penny for your thoughts too so you'll hear brett bielma's podium session uh, that will be also uh, going live during Penny, but we'll also have a follow-up interview with him as well. But uh, baseball on our minds as well, and Len Casper will join us here in the next segment as the White Sox get ready to take on Colorado tonight. Always a good chat when you have Len Casper. But we cannot, that's south side, we cannot ignore the north Listen side. To the hand for Wilson Contreras. This is Wilson Contreras coming up to his first at-bat today at Wrigley Field and basically not able to enter the batter's box, but instead stopping to acknowledge the Wrigley faithful. Final home game for him, probably. Could be his final start as a Cub. And a big embrace for him and Ian Happ as well together. That was caught as both of them I was a little surprised, but I was, I was reading uh, on the tweets. By the way, Cubs win over the Pirates. Uh, on the tweets that Ian Happ expecting was expecting this to be his final home game. And I, that just took me aback because we talked about it yesterday. Should or shouldn't the Cubs trade Ian Happ? And it, it just, if that's true, it just sounds like it's a foregone conclusion. I didn't realize it was. No. It feels like Wilson Contreras is. Wilson 100% is. I think with Ian, the speculation has increased over the last few days. Jeff Passan specifically naming him today and saying that pretty much every team's in on him, kind of like we were talking Juan Soto yesterday, who wouldn't want a, a guy that switch hits and plays five to six different positions on the field. But just the way that the schedule lays out, the Cubs aren't going to be back at, at Wrigley for almost two weeks. So if this is it, I, I think Ian was just taking the moment to, to take it all in and and how can you not these are, are both guys that were, were drafted by the Cubs and, and now they've played their entire pres- professional career with, with one organization in one city uh, Ian a, a very fast riser he I, I don't even think he had a full season of at-bats in the minor leagues if you take out him getting sent down there in, in 2018 or 2019. Um, he was right up to Chicago. Willie's been with the Cubs organization going on three decades now. He signed back in, in 2008, if you can believe that. It's just been so long, and, and, and yeah, just very emotional. I was very glad 
last night that Better Call Saul was a little more lighthearted <laughs> after breaking my heart last week. So we left Wilson to the heartbreak uh, over the last couple of days watching him at Wrigley for the last couple of uh, uh, times. And we'll just see what, what the next week or so has in store. Yeah, Willie's, Willie's definitely gone. Um, I, I think it's more increasingly likely that Ian Happ is also gone. And it really is the, the end of the era the, that I said that it's not your – it's not your father's Cubs. These are my Cubs, and yep. now all my Cubs are going to be gone. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's tough. My question is: is who's who's carrying the flag for the position player wise? Yeah, if you're if you are building now, I mean, who who is the centerpiece? And does that mean they're not currently on the roster? May, I don't know. Is it um, is it a morale? Is it a wisdom? No. Um, if if anything, you know, you've got. Uh, Suzuki, who's been really yeah. hot since he's came back from injury, he hit another bomb here today. But no, to to your point, say a Suzuki is going to be 28 next year. All right, this isn't a a 22 year old coming up that you can look at for the next 10, 15 years. He's going to be a, a Cub forever. Nico Horner, um, same kind of thing. He's having an amazing year. He was part of the back to back to back doubles that they had to to get things going in the first. But yeah, they don't really have that superstar guy. Is it a, a Carlos Correa or a shortstop in the free agent market this year? I don't know. Maybe a, a couple of the minor leaguers coming up could turn into superstars, but it's not the same as that Baez, Bryant, Schwarber, Russell group that came up in 13, 14, and 15 where they were regularly ranked top 20 in, in prospects, which usually those translate to superstars, and that's what most of them turned out to be. Yeah, and I mean, it's the same when the Cardinals, when you say goodbye to an Adam Wainwright and a Yadier Molina, like that's your that's your backbone kind of feel of your franchise. And there's other players that kind of fit that mold too for the Cardinals. And it'll be weird if the Cubs are successful, let's say next year, it'll mean they spent a lot of money and assembled a team and fans will quickly be endeared to any kind of assembly of superstars that are competitive uh, but it's you're right. It's just still different to the you know the Anthony Rizzo's of the world who endured what they endured in mm-hmm. 2012 to get to 2016. Um, and it, I don't know. I wouldn't quite feel like a, a, a. Let's not assume they're winning a World Series, but you know the Marlins where they just kind of put it together, <laughs> won a World Series, and said, "Okay, we're done." That's not quite th- what this is going to, but it just th- it feels different in terms of that loyalty. Kind of feels like you got college athletics with transfer portals and rented players for a year. Well, <laughs> Grad it, student transfers it, and all that. It all comes back to, to what your guy Jerry Seinfeld said. It, it, that's why I don't get about everybody all in a tizzy uh, about how the transfer portal has turned out. You know, we root for laundry. It doesn't <laughs> matter, you know. You've been an Illinois fan for 30 years, and th- that roster is turned over every single year or every four years. You know, it's constantly happening. It happens in the pros, and you root for laundry, and at the same time, you can root for players. Like, I'm going to root for Wilson Contreras for, for the rest of my life and for the rest of his playing days and, and all that. So, yeah, but could I at least have a quarterback that's here for two or three years? <laughs> You try you try to tell a top end quarterback <laughs> yeah. to come live in the middle of Illinois Touché. and play outdoors between the months of October and December <laughs> and see how many have ended up in the league since Jeff George, okay? <laughs> Kurt Kittner. All right. Twenty years. It's been twenty years since there's been a pro quarterback at this field. So I think it's a, a little harder than that. Touche, but <laughs> I just 
It, a man can dream. A man can dream. I know. The number of, I feel like it's like, the, you know, the Bears graphic, again, you know, they always show against Aaron Rodgers, you yeah. know, number of starting quarterbacks while Aaron Rodgers has just done his thing. And it, there's been a lot of starting quarterbacks for Illinois. Well, that, and it goes to back to what was leaked over the last couple of days, you know, the, the Cardinals giving the second richest quarter contract to a player in NFL history and they have to force him to study right it's the hardest position to fill in sports and you will even take some you know red flags along the way even if you kind of think you got it figured out all right baseball talk Len Casper is with us coming up we talked last hour to the new head coach for Illinois track and field also heard from Kevin Warren and his con uh, his comments and we just uh, touched on that and uh, w- one more thing here and that is Sean Snyder and wow an impressive resume Sean Snyder will fill in as the special teams coordinator for Illinois this year Ben Miller continuing to have his battle with cancer um, he says in a statement today that his uh, his he is receiving encouraging news about his diagnosis his colon cancer. Uh, he's done four months of chemotherapy, awaiting liver surgery, and then will be going un- undergoing more chemotherapy uh, during the, the fall. Um, and acknowledged world-class physicians and support from Coach Bielma, Josh Whitman, and Illini Nation. And Sean Snyder, the son of Bill Snyder, the legendary coach at Kansas State, and most recently at USC. Go mm-hmm. figure. A lot of things come full circle with that hire, but uh, Illinois should be okay there in terms of the actual hands-on stuff that needs to get done with special teams. And as Lauren pointed out, a very new crew, relatively new crew at least, in terms of actual on-field time and mm-hmm. the uh, special teams unit mm-hmm. after they let uh, uh, graduated saw, everybody. Yeah, saw some really good players come through. So that's uh, some of the news of the day, and we get a chance to talk baseball with Len Casper after this. Tuesday edition of Sports Talk. Time to talk some baseball tonight. The White Sox take on the Colorado Rockies. And their play-by-play voice, who you'll hear right here on DWS, is Len Casper. 7 o'clock, pregame 740 is the first pitch. Len, great to have you back again with us on Sports Talk. Hey, Scott, Evan, happy to be with you guys as always. Well, uh, first things first, uh, White Sox, despite maybe underperforming uh, compared to expectations, are right there in it, and uh, I guess that's all you can ask for. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I think being at 500 at this point in the season is nowhere near where everybody wanted this team to be, uh, but they did just get through a pretty tough stretch against Minnesota and Cleveland, um, I would say with their heads above water, and you know, now they start a 19-game stretch against teams that are all under 500 so you know we often talk about how you play against the teams you're contending with and some of the better teams in the league and those things do matter but you really have to do damage against the teams that you should beat and the White Sox believe it or not have a losing record against teams with a sub 500 record going into that game 
I think, 20 and 23. So they have to really improve that. Uh, but it starts tonight uh, here in Colorado against the Rockies, a uh, team that's, uh, I think, nine games under 500. You go home, you play uh, a struggling Oakland club, and then Kansas City, Texas. So there's an opportunity here to, to gain some ground. Um, you know, we haven't really looked at the wild card standings. I, I think it feels like it's probably division or bust this year. And so they've got their sights set on the Twins. Twin schedule is a lot more difficult than the White Sox. And if, again, you believe in the strength of schedule, uh, that should bode well for the Sox here down the stretch. Hey, Lynn, this is Evan. You, you mentioned Minnesota and Cleveland. And going into the season, I, I think when we talked during spring training, nobody really had expectations for teams in the Central outside of the White Sox. Maybe the Tigers a little bit, and they've kind of, they've really fallen flat in the Central. Maybe when we talk about the struggles that the White Sox have had, maybe do we not give enough credit to the other teams in the Central who have kind of played above expectations and given the White Sox some competition in that division? No, no I think that's right, Evan. I, you know, and I, I thought Detroit would be a lot better uh, than, than, than they've been. Um, Minnesota had a really bad year last year, and kind of everything that could go wrong did. Uh, offensively, they're, at least so far, the most dangerous group in this division. Uh, I, I still think the Guardians are going to hang around for a while because uh, of their starting pitching. They've got a good back end of their bullpen. Class A has been a terrific closer, and they make contact. They play defense. They kind of do a lot of the little things well. I just don't know what, what kind of moves uh, they'll make here uh, over the next few days as we get near the, the trade deadline. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that the Twins and Guardians do deserve uh, some of the credit. But, you know, the White Sox themselves would tell you that they've underperformed and underachieved, and it's time to really get on a roll and – you know, we've talked a lot about how it has to happen. I think we're at the point now where, where it really does have to happen sooner than later. And, you know, a stretch of 8 out of 10 or 10 out of 12 or 12 out of 14, it, it kind of feels like this is the moment when that needs to happen. You know, fundamentals have been an issue for the White Sox this year. I don't think there's any uh, two bones about it. But uh, it seems like you can easily point to the manager, and you're well aware of the, 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 the criticism that Tony La Russa takes at times. But is it that simple? I mean, it's not like Tony La Russa says, hey, guys, let's go out and be bad at defense today, um, or let's not practice it. How does a team get into that kind of uh, funk? Is it just the types of players they have? Is it, is it something else that contributes? We were seeing it with the Red Sox, too. Is there something else that contributes to just poor execution at times in the field? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I talk to Tony every day. You hear the manager show on the pregame, and he said ultimately when the team struggles, especially with the fundamentals, that, that comes back to me. Um, he said that more than once. Um, but I know the coaching staff works very hard. Uh, defense, generally, you know, the, the, the adage is, you know, you can work maybe too hard sometimes offensively, and sometimes you have to take less batting practice. Um, but I think defense is mostly about hard work, and this group does do the work. Um, there were problems defensively last year, and by and large, it's, it's a similar group to what we saw last year and and it has not been anywhere near where tony wants to see it and where the coaching staff and i think the players themselves 
the the one benefit they've had here the last couple of years is they've had a strikeout staff, and when you keep the ball out of play, it does keep the defense uh, out of play. And then I think the other thing too, guys, is is continuity. Um, you know, Robert is is on the injured list right now. Um, obviously, he's had some vision issues of late. When he's fully healthy, I I look at him as as one of the best center fielders in the league. Um, you know, Grandall hasn't caught a lot this year. I think Reese McGuire and, uh, has been really good. And Sebi Zavala uh, has made a lot of strides behind the plate. Um, you know, Tim has had a couple of different double play partners this year. I think Mancata is underrated defensively. So I think as if the White Sox and as they get a little more consistent with the lineup and, and the same guys playing the same positions, you would hope that that collective defense would improve a little bit talking with len casper how about dylan cease despite the all-star snub he is in talks for the cy young award this is a career year for him is there anything that says he cannot um be strong to the finish you know he made 30 plus starts last year um, and he had 165 innings you know so can he continue to be the dude and the horse here through hopefully the playoffs. Well, it sure looks like it. It, it. He's been the best pitcher on the staff and probably a top three or four starter in the entire league. Uh, the slider has arguably been the most devastating pitch in all of baseball. Um, he, his command has gotten better, even though you know he leads the majors in walks and strikeouts, um, but the walk rate has, has gone down here the last few starts. And actually, his last start, Against Cleveland, you know, he didn't uh, pile up a ton of strikeouts because of the contact ways of, of the Guardians, um, but it was more of the weak contact uh, part, and that ends up maybe buying a few extra outs. So they often say a guy with really good stuff has to learn how to pitch, and we've seen that on display here in 2022 with Dylan. Um, I, they've given him extra rest along the way, and I think the idea is that he can – make 32, maybe 33 starts by season's end and still be strong, hopefully going into a postseason. And uh, I think everyone agrees uh, if the White Sox can get there, he would be the number one starter going into any playoff series. Lynn, as a play-by-play guy, you're you're around the team almost as much as anybody not directly related to, to on the field. As cliche as it is, what is the vibe in that clubhouse? Because it feels like they've been fighting uphill most of the year, and when things start going well, then you get a managerial blunder or, or they go on a, a losing streak. How do they feel in the clubhouse? Is there any concern? Do, do they feel like if they stay the course, things are, are going to right themselves here over the last two months? Uh, it's a good vibe in the clubhouse, and I think it's just, if anything, there's been frustration that they haven't been able to get on a roll, but there's a steadfast nature of, hey, we're good, we're better than this. We, we will be better than this in the second half, and, and we have to. Um, so, you know, I, I'm often asked about clubhouses and, you know, when, when teams aren't very good, they, they question the chemistry and when teams are good, there's an assumption that the chemistry is great. By and large, clubhouse chemistry, if we put that in air quotes, they, they all feel very similar. And, and I would say if in early August of any season, 
with any team, with any record, if you plopped someone in the middle of the clubhouse and they knew nothing about the record, you would have a hard time predicting how good that team is. Uh, they, they do tend to kind of all feel uh, very similar. And the, and, the, and the outliers, I'm not sure really if I had to go back and think about some clubhouses I've been in, you know, the outliers probably tend to not match up with what the record is anyway. So, you know, I would say that uh, it's been an interesting year because it's been a 500 club and you tend to get a lot of really intriguing storylines with uh, wins and losses that kind of go back and forth. Uh, In in a weird way, it's been more interesting this year. So I guess what I would say is maybe making it less interesting (laughs) and having this team just get on a nice roll here uh, would, would, would benefit everyone. We're talking with Len Casper here on Sports Talk. A quick break. We're right back after this. CBS Sports Brief. WNBA star Brittany Griner will testify in her drug trial in Russia tomorrow. Her defense team claims the cannabis oil found in her luggage was for medicinal purposes and explained its popular treatment among athletes in many countries outside of Russia. Former U.S. women's national team goalkeeper Hope Solo has pleaded guilty to DUI. The move comes almost four months after she was found passed out behind the wheel in North Carolina. Drew Brees could be making a pass to Hollywood. Well, how about this? How about I, sna- I take a snap um, under center, but in a movie? Yeah. Is, is something in the works? Can we look for that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe so. Oh, man. The retired Saints QB teased the possible career move to CBS Sports. American Underdog Part 2. <laughs> Part two, there you go. And NASCAR says Joe Gibbs Racing will not appeal Denny Hamlin and Kyle Bush's disqualifications at Pocono Raceway. Both drivers were DQ'd over issues with their cars. Chase Elliott was declared the winner. CBS Sports Brief, I'm Monica Ricks. Research shows listeners don't like it when ads interrupt their music. So to help you remember that Liberty Mutual customizes home insurance, we made this ad optional. If you want to skip this ad, remove your left earphone. Liberty Mutual customizes home insurance, so you only pay for what you need. If you're missing this informative ad, you must love wasting your cash. It's the easy and smart way to save. Now it's all been said, so if that earphone was out, put it back in your head. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Welcome back. Sports Talk. Scott and Evan with you talking with Len Casper as they get ready, the White Sox do, for the Colorado Rockies today. A quick two-game series out in Denver. Len, I, I, I got to bring up last Friday night because Jason Benetti sat in with you, and he's been good enough to uh, visit these airwaves uh, a few times with Brian Barnhart. You had me in stitches, the two of you, especially when uh, you brought up Jason's idea of a triple derby instead of a home run derby at the at the all-star game um but uh <laughs> first of all um you just you have a great booth you and dj but just the whole uh, announcing crew there on the white Sox uh, is an entertaining listen well i appreciate that um jason is um I, I can't use the word on the air but he's a blank disturber he he likes to mix things up and um yeah, he's got a little fun streak where he just likes to lob things like the triples derby into the conversation and then act like, well, what did I do? You know, and then we flesh out the idea and it's like, no, it's a terrible idea. And uh, he just does it to try to get a rise out of everybody. And it, it, it does create a fun atmosphere. And it was fun to do that with him. And uh, really cool uh, moment on Sunday when Kurt Bloom made his White Sox big league debut uh, after 
three plus decades uh, with the Double A Birmingham Barons, and uh, I was fortunate enough to to be alongside with him on Sunday to call that win. Um, I know Steve Stone was on with uh, Connor on uh, Saturday night, so we had some musical chairs. But uh, DJ's back for the uh, long haul. He is here in Denver tonight, and uh, looking. Uh, very forward to getting getting back to my uh, my normal partner in the booth tonight. <laughs> yep, for sure. You know, uh, uh, Jason participated in a Statcast uh, broadcast on television side, and that had me curious to pick your brain. Obviously, analytics and stats have uh, you know gone up in the lexicon of baseball. Where does that come in for you in, in a broadcast? Uh, for example. Uh, I've heard one broad major league broadcaster say, I don't even mention stats. I've heard others say, I don't mention batting average anymore because we all know that that can be misleading at, at times. So what's important for you to transmit uh, to baseball fans in this day and age? I think on the radio, batting average still matters, and I try to mention OPS and, and on-base percentage and the counting stats because we don't have the graphic. That, that obviously television has. Um, and then I try to utilize some of the, uh, you know, I guess qualitative, quantifiable stats. Um, you know, defensively, there's defensive efficiency was just simply a team's ability to turn balls and play into outs. Um, that number doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people. If I say a defensive efficiency of 690, you know, that doesn't mean anything. What it means is 69% of balls in play are turned into outs. So I'll just talk about a team's ranking for instance the white Sox have, have been in the bottom third in that department uh for much of the season uh so if a team is in the top five or ten i will just say this has been a pretty good defensive ball club uh, so i i try to translate those numbers on my own and then you know not make it a math class when we get on the air the numbers do matter there's no doubt about that but we try to convert that into a narrative or a story in a way to make it uh, as, I guess, palatable as possible uh, for a listener or a viewer and, and, and not try to make it too numbers heavy uh, because I think then it gets a little boring. Yeah, and I ask that because the the nature of the baseball fan has changed in the span of your career, uh, you know, from what was commonplace 20 years ago to what is now. And so I'm just curious your thoughts on that. I appreciate that perspective. Yeah, I think the last time you were on, Lynn, we talked about your transition from or transition back to radio from doing TV. Uh, do you dabble in, in other sports as far, far as doing play-by-play that, that I've missed? Or is there are there other sports that you would like to, to call and maybe get back into uh, after baseball season or, or after your baseball career is over? No, I, I'm a, I'm a one-trick pony. I, <laughs> I guess I, I realized a while ago that if I'm good at anything, um, hopefully it's it's calling baseball, and I like to be a meatball fan of all the other sports and not feel like I have to work uh, or do any homework <laughs> following those <laughs> others. Uh, so I, I love calling as much baseball as I possibly can, and then when the season's over, I'm, I'm happy to just be a, a husband and a dad and, uh, you know, couch potato. <laughs> yeah, we, we've heard that from guys that we talk to that do basketball and football, same kind of thing. You're, you're going nonstop during the season. You, you need that little time to, to reset, completely understand that. So to, to bring it back to baseball here real quick before we let you go, the trade deadline coming up, uh, 
there are some spots where the White Sox could add. You could also see them just kind of stay in pat and seeing what happens. What kind of moves do you think the the front office is going to make? Well, Rick Hahn mentioned the other day that you know bullpen is at the top of his list, and I think it is for just about every contender. Um, I think offensively, the, the one thing that that's pretty glaring is you know if he could add a left-handed bat uh, somewhere that that might be nice. Although you know the other thing the front office is going to have to answer is who that left-handed bat is and how much playing time can that guy get. Uh, so these are questions right now that are being asked and answered by by Rick and, and Kenny Williams and the front office. And, uh, you know, I would expect uh, something to happen here in the next few days. But uh, the beauty of the trade deadline is not knowing what's going to happen. Remember last year, uh, all of a sudden, Craig Kimbrell shows up on, on the radar and is a White Sox. His name was not mentioned at all prior to the trade actually coming to, to be. So, uh, the one thing I always expect is a surprise or two, so uh, I look forward to the next few days in that regard. Len, we know you got a game to get ready for and fill out the uh, scorecard, but i got to ask, did the guitar come out during the All-Star break? Was that part of your unwind, uh, or does it come with you on the road? It doesn't come with me on the road, but yes, um, my, uh, my bass was definitely utilized a bunch uh, doing some recording with one of the bands i'm in and uh my main 45 uh uh five some we've got uh, a show coming up on the off day thursday in chicago so looking forward to that for sure i I think that's great that you get to balance your world there with some music so tremendous that you could spend some time with us len and we appreciate hearing you here down in champagne and hope we can visit again when uh, you have a moment would love to. Anytime, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Len Casper, voice of the Chicago White Sox. Appreciate his time. Uh, I, I'm concerned for Dylan Cease. I don't. There, I have no basis for this concern, but I, I just want to see him be a flash in the pan. I, I just I root for guys, and I'd like to see this be a thing as, as instead of a, remember that one year when he was really good. And yeah, especially. Like you know, we all like those one-off Cy Young winners, and then they they fade. Which I want to I want to see him be a thing. Yeah, that that happens a lot, especially with pitchers. And there's a great Jimmy Fallon quote from Fever Pitch about baseball. You know, you can be lucky for one season, but to like have a career at baseball, you actually have to be good. And I think Dylan Cease is one of those guys. He was highly regarded coming out of high school. Really, it was just getting healthy as he was coming through the Cubs system, and he's really putting it together. I do agree with what you hinted at with Lynn. First real full season in the bigs here. Maybe he does, you know fade towards the end a little bit uh, of this year but I think years going forward like he said that slider's nasty he's got a couple other pitches that he just keeps fine-tuning and and I think he's going to be an arm for a long time yeah uh, he made 32 starts last year but 165 innings which Mm -hmm. I I don't know who goes 200 anymore does anybody do 200 very very few yeah The, the DeGroms the Scherzers when they're healthy so that's where I you know let's say he goes 180 you know, and 180 is the new 200. Mm-hmm. And now a guy like Steve Stone, you know, this Cy Young, he, he at least said, yeah, I sold out for the Cy Young. You know, I just <laughs> just just wore my arm down, just went all in on on breaking stuff. And this is back in 1980. And I just I decided I wanted a year of glory instead of five of mediocrity or whatever it was. <laughs> and now he's a great broadcaster. So. 
but I don't know what Dylan's if Dylan Cease wants to be a color analyst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have to ask him about that. Uh, but you know what? B- uh, by and large, uh, Chicago baseball is really blessed with very good announcers. Um, and and Jason Benetti wasn't going to ask Len to comment on this, but you know, looks like Jason Benetti's moving to Fox and going to be the number two football guy mm-hmm. there. Um, I don't know if we'll see him sideline for any more Big Ten basketball games, but because he was doing ESPN and. Well, it sounds like he'll be doing Fox games, which works out because Big oh, Ten yeah, is, is partnered with Fox. Oh, so, yeah. so, yeah, we're going to get to see Duh. him not just with basketball, but also football as well. And, yeah, all around. I, I mean, baseball, football, locally here with the U of I sports. We, we really do have some of the best broadcasters. Oh, we are. do. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. Uh, hey, good stuff as well. It's CU Trade Services. Since we're talking about trades in baseball, I want to talk to you about trade services with CU Trade Services. Time to get on that plan. Look, it is still July, even though it feels like early fall almost here. But um, just don't wait on, on, on a service for your furnace. Or it's not too late right now on your air conditioning uh, to get somebody over. They helped us out, get some vent duct uh, flow right for our house and how... Uh, we want to get the upstairs a little bit cooler and yeah, keep this open, turn that and check the filters, check the 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 coils and the, all the other stuff they got to get do the once over on. But if you get it on a regular plan, you're going to avoid some sort of major breakdown in a pinch when it's really, really hot and you need your AC on for sure or when it's really, really cold and you cannot afford to lose the heat. CU Trade Services, professional, courteous, experts, Check them out, cutradeservices.com. <laughs> Don't change, Jim Harbaugh. Does he know what he's doing? Is, is this man just toying with us all, or is he really that man? I think he really is. I really, I, I really do. I really do. I, just, yeah, Michigan man. I mean, what can you do? I mean, he beat Ohio State last year, so he went from... What is it? Even a broken clock is right twice a day or something like that? I mean, after you lose to Ohio State every year for a decade or whatever it was, I mean, odds are you're going to stumble into a win one of those times. Life is good. Come here. Come here. Life is good. Um, Biological clock is ticking. And uh, we're ready to start. Raise your hand if you had biological clock on your media day bingo card. <laughs> only, only Jim Harbaugh would have said something like that. Uh, I got gotta love Pat Fitzgerald when there's uh, with with the moderator and had to ask if there was any more questions, please, for Northwestern's head coach. That's what happens when you win three games? Not a lot of questions. <laughs> and then he was asked about will Northwestern have. A uh, an NAL collective private school. We don't have to tell you. <laughs> then he said he was joking, but I love Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald is good for a quote, a funny quote. Jim Harbaugh is going to say something. What? What? <laughs> what? 
Well, as somebody said, you know, maybe a, a little tug in cheek, but there, the same kind of pressure isn't at Northwestern that I think it is at all of the other Big Ten schools. I mean, you look at Chris Collins, he makes one NCAA tournament and he gets a lifetime contract and they haven't done anything since and there's no worry that there's going to be turnover. You win three games and you make jokes about it. Oh, shucks, we won three games. Yeah. I mean, you know in, in a it. In a business that's wins and losses. Uh, and yes, I, I, I get that it's lighthearted. But when you're when you're Mr. Irrelevant, right? I mean, as soon as Northwestern football season starts, so does Chicago Bears football season. So they don't even know what's going on up there in Evanston. So you can have those kinds of takes and sit there in quiet because there probably is not a whole lot of Chicago media there covering Northwestern. So that's true. I mean, he fielded a question from somebody in Cedar Rapids. You know, I mean, there's. If somebody's there from Chicago, they're covering the Big Ten. They're yeah. not there covering Northwestern. They're <laughs> yeah. covering college football and the Big Ten. Well, hopefully Kevin Warren's extra check is in the mail. Did you hear him drop the Ohio State University? Oh, oh my gosh. He knows guy. where his bread is buttered, though. Yeah, so yeah. you got to keep Ohio State happy. I mean, is everybody really getting an equal share <laughs> in the Big Ten? <laughs> I mean, really? Maybe maybe that's what he was doing. You know, if he drops the Ohio State University, that's their little extra uptick. <laughs> Free advertising. So we'll be in Indianapolis tomorrow. The Captain. Have you been watching The Captain on ESPN uh, with the Derek Jeter oh, retrospective? I- I, I have not because I was on vacation when it started and I wasn't really sure exactly how the schedule was going to lay out. I think I'm going to wait for it to all wrap up and then just do kind of a, a, yeah. a binge sort of thing. But I'm still sitting here kind of like we said a week or two ago. I don't know exactly how they're going to do seven pieces on Derek Jeter. But, yeah, I'll, I'll get around to, to figuring out what they did for it. You know, it's not fair to to compare it to The Last Dance because, first of all, we had nothing else going on. And second of all, it was Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and it was awesome. And as great as Derek Jeter was, he's not Michael Jordan, but it's a little more syrupy. And, you know, Derek Jeter was a little more controversial, controversy-free, even than Michael Jordan at times. Oh, yeah. But they're kind of going through the history with, with, the, with the Yankees. And the Yankees, I get it. That's. I mean, they were a dynasty. Well, I think if they were going to do a seven-part series, it should have been about the late 90s, the core four, the whole... It's worked in. That whole thing, and, and maybe if they would have geared it more towards that with a little bit of Derek Jeter sprinkled in, I think it would have made a little more sense, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see when it all wraps up. I mean, up. he's... I think a producer on it, so Probably. it's going to kind of, hey, let, if we're going to make why a documentary, he, let's make it about me. That's why he stepped away from the Marlins. He had to work on this documentary. I get what it is, but I'm also, I'm fine because I, I kind of like that retrospective stuff and reliving those things. Oh, so, yeah, I'm going to learn I'm going to learn a lot about everything. I'm not upset that I'm watching it. I'll say that. But it's not the last dance. I'll yeah, say that as well. There's no way you could be upset watching baseball. All right. Well, talk to you tomorrow. Thanks to all involved today. Lauren Tate, Petros Kiprianu, Len Casper, Evan Kahn, Joey Wright on the other side. News Talk 1400, 93.9 FM, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Sox at 7. CBS News.